Good to be with you. Uh, welcome to those that are joining us online. And if you are joining us for the first time, my name is Greg, one of the pastors. Uh, welcome to what we have come to call Vision Sunday. It's kind of an annual thing. And it's not about some grand or overarching three to five year vision. It's a chance for us to uh, look back a little bit what God has done in uh, 2020. There were a few good things, maybe. And to look around to see where we are now and then to, to look ahead. Uh, the idea in looking ahead is that we just want to put one foot in front of the other. I think some of the language that we've come to describe um, our desire for vision is we want to determine with your input, elders, staff, determine you know, what the Holy Spirit is saying to our church. That's, that's really all we want to know. And then we want to do our best to, to follow, to walk until God expands that. So this is what, what today is about. There are three things before we get there. One, I just want to thank all of you that joined in our fast last week. Um, uh, it's, it's good. As I shared last week, I think, you know, Jesus says in Matthew 7 that the three most basic spiritual disciplines are caring for the poor, uh, prayer, and fasting. And fasting is an area that we could all probably grow in a little bit. And so if you participated, uh, I just want to say a big thank you uh, to you for that. And then I would also say, if, if you had some kind of life-altering experience or you felt like God met you in a, in a real uh, personal or specific way, we would love to hear about that. Uh, and then also, if you sense that God was saying something to our church, if you got a, a scripture or a passage or a picture or something like that, it might not make sense to you. Uh, but, but send it along. Send us an email or write it down and put it in the giving boxes. We would love to hear what you believe God is saying to our church at this time, too. So, a couple other things. One, today is Sanctity of, life, of Human Life Sunday. It's an annual thing, usually the third Sunday of the year, and a, a lot of churches probably around the country are preaching on the sanctity of human life uh, today in their services. What I've done is I wrote a blog, and I loaded it up this morning, so Go to our website, uh, middle right, blog, hit that. And I did write a blog, and what I tried to focus in on is what Scripture says about that and what science says about that. And, and they correlate one with another. So if you'd like to go and look at that and read that. And then I talk about how to have a conversation with somebody who disagrees with you in regards to that area. And so I put that up this morning. And then tomorrow is um, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, a day that we celebrate his life and ministry. And so um, I also wrote a blog about that, and I'll probably load that up uh, this afternoon, maybe in the morning. Um, I think it's really important that we commemorate, that we think through. Uh, there's some ways in the blog that we can honor and celebrate his life. Uh, one of those ways is to re-listen to the I Have a Dream speech. Um, this is an area where, um, you know, race relations, it's an important area in our life. And I think sanctity of human life and race issues are two maybe of the biggest issues uh, in our lifetimes at this moment. And so I think it's important uh, that we take a look at that. Okay, four. 
With all that said, um, I'd like to divide this into three parts today. I've got the upsides, the upsides of 220. Uh, I've got some updates, and then I have some unveiling. And we're going to talk about the sermon series that we're going to be jumping into starting today, and, and more specifically next Sunday. Chris will, Chris will start us off. So let's take a look at those one at a time. Updates of 2020. Um, upsides, sorry. Upsides of 2020. I want to begin with one of the most impressive ministries that we have here at Community Covenant Church, and that would be our prayer team ministry. Uh, I've been doing ministry for it's 41 years now, uh, inter intentional interim ministry for the last 21 or 22 years. I've never been in a church where I've been so appreciative and impressed with a prayer ministry team. These folks in our church are absolutely passionate about praying and about praying for you and about praying for our church and a whole host of other things. And I just want to say how grateful I am to those of you that gather regularly on Thursday nights via Zoom uh, in the last several months or a few months uh, and pray for our church. Um, I want to read a partial update from the prayer team ringleader, Barbara Bolton. And this is what she said in an update. God has become closer than ever through last year's challenges, through pain and struggles. We have been privileged to lift up the needs in our church and beyond. We have felt the loving and powerful presence of the Holy Spirit on a deeper level and have seen and experienced comfort and healings from the day-to-day -day cares of life to threatening uh, health needs. We have seen people freed from cancer in ways that confound doctors. We have seen great generos generosity and financial miracles. We have seen people join together to help others whenever there is a need. Our church has been given much in 2020. 2020 has also caused us to grieve with those who have lost loved ones and are continuing to struggle. We had a word from God last week, and I think this is very recent, that, su that sort of sums up the year. Perseverance. We will still keep our eyes on our powerful, almighty God, who is closer than a brother, always available, the author and finisher of our faith, our rock, the lifter of our heads, and the one in whom we trust. Yeah, it's beautiful. Thank you so much for those of you that are committed to that ministry of prayer. Uh, they meet on Thursday nights from 7 to about 8.30, and there's a way to, on the website uh, or the newsletter for you to connect with them. And then late last year, some of the ladies launched what's called the Traveler's Ministry, where they connect one lady with another and a, a three-month period where they just connect over the phone, Zoom, or maybe in person, social distance, and just uh, talk and pray with each other. And so if you'd like to be a part of that, you can contact the office as well. Another upside of 2020 is you. Uh, I want to thank you for your faithfulness and your generosity in our finances. Uh, they're stable, and that's because of your faithfulness and generosity. So a big thank you on behalf of the staff 
and the elders. Let me give you just a brief financial overview. You know, it says in our bylaws that we're supposed to have a business meeting once a year, and I hope this, I hope this satisfies that requirement. And I'll say at the, at the outset here that, it's going to be brief, by the way. Um, I'll say at the outset, though, if you have any questions about our finances, uh, feel free to ask those either uh, email or send us a note, however you want to do that. But compared to 2019, 2020's general budget income was up by about $5,800. So $5,800 altogether more than we had in 2019. And special offerings were up by almost $14,000. That's special offerings that you give to special, specific things. That's a lot of generosity in a very, very tough year. So thank you for that. Um, in addition, our utility expenses and our donut expenses went down in uh, 2020. There's that. Those donuts, they cost a lot of money. Yeah, if you didn't know that, yeah. But anyway, donuts were down. Utilities were down. Um, we had a net income of 2020 of, of $41,468, which is about half of 2019's. Um, we've made progress in increasing our general fund balance. Well, that fund obviously fluctuates from month to month. We have about $160,000 in there currently. And the idea is to have maybe six months in reserves uh, and, and a bare minimum of three months in reserves, which we didn't have at the beginning of last year. And now 160 is about three months worth of reserves for us. Again, it fluctuates, but that's, it's good for us to be there. And then we had four kind of capital improvements. Uh, the downstairs heater was replaced right before we stopped meeting downstairs, so we're ready to go uh, when we get probably summer and we'll be good. You know, we won't need it, but... Um, uh, we purchased a water filtration system, too, to clean up some of the impurities in our well water. Uh, we upgraded our video and computer and bandwidth needs to launch our online campus. Um, and then we also had touchless faucets um, and added to them to all the, the restrooms. Those are a little more expensive than you might think. Maybe you have that at home already. And so all of those improvements amounted to uh, almost $14,000, uh, which is, it's, it's a good step. And then a generous congregant also purchased a new and needed lawnmower for us uh, this last year that was very helpful in the spring and in the summer. And with input from the FAB, to wind this financial piece up, the input from the FAB, the elders uh, voted to keep our 2021 budget the same as 2020, which is $600,000 a year. So it's the same. Uh, and I just would add a note that that's kind of low for a church our size. And so I'll let that go where it needs to go uh, and just, just put it out there. And that, um, in addition to our prayer team and, and our fab and our elders, well, that's what I want to say here. There's there's five other teams that I want to mention I would certainly classify as upsides in 2020, just briefly. Uh, first is our staff, an amazing, hardworking staff that I so appreciate. We get along good. We work good together. There's focus. There's unity. Uh, every staff meeting, we talk about are we unified, 
and uh, uh, it's just been a joy and a privilege to work with them. Uh, the same with the elders. Uh, we've had a little difficulty with the pandemic and my traveling, some of the others, uh, elders travel, uh, finding the kind of rhythm that we want, and yet what a joy to work with them. And for most of last year, I can't remember when it happened, but John Gwynn is the elder facilitator. We don't use the language elder chair or elder chairman. We want to take power language out of our governance. Uh, so he's been the elder facilitator for the last several months. A joy to work with the elders. The community group facilitators have been amazing. Uh, a lot of people are zoomed out, and uh, sometimes it's difficult. Uh, we see maybe some light at the end of the tunnel, but I just want to say thank you to our community group facilitators for hanging in there and learning how to do Zoom. There were some ladies here just the other day that were doing, so, trying to figure out Zoom. It's a challenge for some people. And again, some of us are Zoomed out, and so it's hard. But let's try and hang in there with the community groups, et cetera, until this vaccination gets rolled out better. And then... Um, I want to say thank you to the production team, all that's happened uh, to get us an online campus that kind of came out of the blue. And I've mentioned before the staff, you know, we kind of reacted to the pandemic the first few months until we got, kind of got some vision and some focus. And then uh, Chris has done an amazing job of bringing this team together. Uh, and they have served us well and are serving everybody who's out there watching us online at this time. And then, I want to say thank you to our worship community. I don't know what you call yourselves, or what you, but I call it a worship community. We have so many people that are so engaged, and, and uh, just being here last Friday night for the worship and prayer, uh, I don't, yeah, when I'm here on Sundays, I don't always get to worship the way I want to because I'm thinking about stuff, and that's my bad. I should be prepared enough to not have to think about stuff and really just worship. But to be able to come and worship for an hour and 15 minutes last Friday, for me and for the rest of our staff, we talked about it, it's just an amazing opportunity. And I just love how they lead us into God's presence. Uh, it's just beautiful. So I want to say thank you to them as well. Okay, a few updates. Um, our search team. This includes opportunities for growth in 2021. So our search team has been meeting regularly uh, to talk about what a good interview looks like. You know, that's the idea that when we do get a slate of candidates, they're going to be interviewing us too. So there's that piece. And even last Sunday we had a meeting. We talked a little uh, interview. We talked a little theology in order to have... Um, we want to be conversant as a search team with the candidates, right? And so... Um, we went live with our search over Christmas, and uh, we have a Zoom meeting scheduled with our Vander Blumen rep this afternoon at 4.30. Um, what's our timeline, you might be asking, and we'll know more about that after the meeting today. Uh, perhaps the search team can provide an update next uh, weekend. Um, I would suspect that we'll receive a slate of candidates from Vanderbloom, and it's usually three to six, or you could say four to six legit candidates. I think we'll probably receive that in mid-February or early March, uh, and that's when our search team really gets busy. That's when we jump in and we have these candidates, and that's when we start interviewing them and start narrowing that down. And when it gets narrowed down to one, sometimes one is head and shoulders above the others, sometimes it's two, uh, then the elders get a little more involved when that happens. And so um, 
I would suspect, yeah, mid-February to March, and then with a, an incoming lead pastor, depending on their kids and how they do school, I would say it'll be June uh, that we might be able to um, identify and, and then receive um, an incoming permanent lead pastor. I also want to mention that we have staffed, listen to this now, an interim community kids online resource coordinator. <laughs> an interim person. Her name's Tara Thomas, and she was the children's ministry director at a church that I worked with about uh, six years ago in California. She lives in California in Temecula. Yes, there is a Temecula. It's kind of like Cucamonga. There is a real Cucamonga out there too, but it's east of uh, San Diego a bit. And like I said, she was on staff uh, when I was there. And um, the goal would be for us to build an interim community kids team that will be ready to relaunch our, our uh, in-person community kids ministry post-COVID when we can start gathering the kids together. And so the elders and the staff, just to let you know, have concluded that it would probably be best for the incoming pastor to be able to fill the family ministry roles. Unless something comes out of the blue, we're trying to have an interim student um, team, ministry team, and an interim kids ministry team until we find our permanent pastor. I am happy to announce that the elementary community kids will have a curriculum. Hopefully it starts today. I'm, I'm not sure I should have asked when it, when it goes out. But uh, the community kid, the elementary community kids will follow along with us adults in our study of Nehemiah. And um, it might be the same with our student ministry. If I was a permanent pastor of a church, I would want adults and students and elementary to all be studying the same thing. You know, I, uh, that's never happened in 40 years, by the way, but I would want it. I can, that's all I can tell you. Uh, if, if, like I said before, if the Holy Spirit is saying something to us as a church and we believe that, you know, we're studying that thing, shouldn't everybody be doing that? That's kind of how I think, but not everybody thinks like me, and that's okay. But I'm excited about the possibility of our elementary and maybe our students doing that. It's kind of up to them. Okay. Uh, finally, related to some updates, I want to encourage participation in group life. Uh, we have community groups up and running. There's a new community group for men starting this woman's Bible study that you heard about or have been hearing about. Um, and as Barbara shared last Sunday, we have purchased that All Church Ramsey Plus license that's free to you. And I really want to strongly, strongly encourage you to jump on there. It's free, and all the classes, all the training, all the financial tools that Financial Peace University offers are free to you for this year. And so, let's do this. I mentioned last week that Linda and I took it, my wife Linda, about five years ago at the church that Tara is from. Uh, it's called Sunridge. And, um, and we've been debt-free now. Uh, and we're excited about that. That gives us some better options. So you can sign up for Ramsey Plus and the Women's Bible Study at communitycovenant.info page. 
and let our office know if you want to get involved in a community group, including the one that's starting with the men, and we'll get you connected. Okay, unveiling. I really wanted to keep the alliteration uh, going there, upsides, updates, unveiling. That's just, that's a, that's a pastor thing, I think, but forgive me. So, I'd like to introduce our series for the next 11 weeks and share with you why we've chosen it and provide an overview um, as we get started here. Chris will officially launch us next Sunday, as I think I said. So the name of the series is Nehemiah, Rebuilding Out of Brokenness. The main idea is that over the last year, we've discovered afresh that we live in a very broken world. During last week's fast, I had this perception, I don't know if it's prophetic or pathetic, but I remember last year, a lot of pastors, a lot of people got excited about 2020, you know, 2020 vision, this is going to be awesome, you know, and I think we even talked about that a year ago now. And last week, uh, during our fast, I had this thought that, you've heard that phrase, uh, hindsight is always 2020, and maybe 2020 was an opportunity for us to see who we really are. And it's not pretty. And whether you think it's him that's hurting our country or them that's hurting our country, it's really us. It's us. And for us to sit in that disappointment, to own our part, and to move from there is part of the opportunity. And so we thought studying Nehemiah would help us to see what needs to happen. So I just want to read the first four chapters, again, Chris will go over this in more detail next Sunday. Uh, for us to make it through Nehemiah 11 weeks, that means we've got to do about a chapter uh, a week. So we're going to pick out the important parts of the chapter. You can't do expository verse by verse through an Old Testament book. It's more of a narrative, right? So, but here's the first four verses of chapter 1. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah, now, it happened in the month of Cheslib, that's November, December, in the 20th year, that would be the reign of the king, while I was in Susa, that's the winter residence of the king, the capital that Hanani, one of my brothers, and some men from Judah came, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped and had survived the captivity and about Jerusalem, and they said to me, the remnant there in the province, providence who survived the captivity are in great distress and reproach. Let me just stop there and say, Jerusalem was captured, about 70 years of captivity. Uh, the best and the brightest went to Babylon. The poorest of the poor stayed there. So 70 years, people had been filtering back for about... 50 years at this point, and Ezra, that's the book before Nehemiah, Ezra had been there about 13 years, and that brings us up to this point here. And so let me read that again. 
I asked them about Jerusalem. They said to me, the remnant there in the providence who survived the captivity are in great distress and reproach. And the wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. If you go back a little further in the Old Testament, Haggai, Zerubbabel, they had come back about 50 years previous to this and had kind of rebuilt the temple. We'll get to that in a moment. But let's, that helps you understand why Nehemiah was upset. But let's consider that just a little more deeply for a moment. Most of the Jewish people had been held captive in Babylon for those 70 years. Again, the poorest of the poor remained in that, in that region. And that region, including Jerusalem, was almost in complete disrepair. And as I mentioned, uh, the temple was rebuilt under Haggai and Zerubbabel's leadership, but it was like going from the Taj Mahal to an Elks Club. That's the difference in the temple, from Solomon's temple, Taj Mahal, to what they currently had, Elks Club. Uh, you can imagine they were disappointed. For the Jewish people, God's presence uh, dwelt with, inhabited the temple. It was uh, the primary meeting place between God and His people, the place of sacrifice, the place of atonement for sin was the temple. The reason why Nehemiah was so upset is because the glory of God was being obstructed and the name of God was being defamed. That's what caused Nehemiah to be so upset. Maybe some of us can get as upset about what we're seeing in the capital C church in our country, in our world. I don't know. For the city where a deity dwelt to be in such uh, sustained shambles was disrespectful. It was a dishonor to that deity. The enemies of God were saying things like, you must, your God must be very weak. He can't even defend his own city. And we'll see as we get into the book that there were enemies of God who were saying these things. He must be very weak. He can't even defend his own city. For people who only have a general idea of what the book of Nehemiah is about, they tend to think that it's about rebuilding the walls. But that's not what the book is really about. That's not the main point of the book. Nehemiah is primarily about moving a broken and dispirited people toward spiritual renewal. Rebuilding the walls is just one step in providing the physical safety and security for God's people to return to the city and rebuild a wholehearted trust and dependence on their God. The thinking behind the series is, in light of 2020, our world needs renewal. Our staff has talked about this. We feel like we need renewal. The elders have talked about this, and the elders feel like they need renewal. We've talked about you. 
we feel like you need renewal. We've talked about our country. We feel like our country needs renewal. We've talked about our world, and we feel like our world needs renewal. We want to ask, how do we prepare ourselves for renewal? What can we learn from the book of Nehemiah about how to participate with God towards renewal? We shall see that renewal begins with acknowledging our own brokenness. And you'll see next week, and if you read chapter 1, you'll see that that's the first thing that Nehemiah does. He acknowledges his own brokenness. He acknowledges the sins of his forefathers, which is something I think our country ought to be willing to do as well. It begins with brokenness. Our own brokenness and the brokenness that surrounds us and then turning afresh to God. In a lot of ways, this is very similar to the main message of the Sermon on the Mount. And I would say this is the primary arc of the Bible, to acknowledge our own brokenness, and in that brokenness, turn afresh to God. And God meets a humble people. I think I mentioned this before, but when I go out to work with a church or meet a church and the whole diagnostic thing that Vital Church does, the first thing I look for in leaders especially is are they humble? And I've said to a church before, if you wanted Vital Church to come to your church, we wouldn't come because you're not humble. I've actually said that. And I said it that, that, kind of that same way too. And that caught their attention, don't you think? We did end up going there, but it was like six months later. I said, you need to pray. You need to humble yourselves. You need to figure out who can help you best. But all that to say that the thing that we need to move forward, the thing that sets the stage for renewal is when we acknowledge our own brokenness individually, together, and turn afresh to God. So that's what Nehemiah is about. A new year's dawning. God has both, he's got a purpose and a plan. He's up to something. We keep saying that. And we'd like to invite you, us, to get ready because we believe this series will challenge our comfort and our complacency and maybe even our calling as we go through this series. So in the next 11 weeks, we want to identify how Nehemiah's heart was overwhelmed, the desperate condition of God's people, how he was motivated to mobilize uh, in some very practical ways in order to make a way for God to move uh, miraculously amongst them. As we wind down here, conclude, one of the things I wanted to make sure to mention, we talked about this when we studied Ruth. This is our, we go back into the Old Testament after maybe over, a little over a year uh, when we studied Ruth. But the Old Testament... What we've said before is that the Bible only tells one story, from Genesis to Revelation, one story, and it all points to Jesus. And we will see in the book of Nehemiah, it's, it's also a beautiful picture of what God has called the church to do. Nehemiah leaves the comfort, the opulence of the palace to go down and identify with, to serve and lead a bunch of broken and desperate people. Nehemiah leaves the palace to step into the brokenness and the despair 
Does that sound familiar to you? Isn't that what Jesus did? Nehemiah points us to Jesus who left the comfort, the perfection of heaven to step into humanity's brokenness, to step into our desperation, to step into our shame. Why? To live the life we should have lived and to die the death we deserved to die so that you and I would have access to the living God. Jesus loved us. He gave himself up for us. Nehemiah had the same priorities that brought Jesus to earth to honor God and to, he had a great, great love for the people, to glorify God and love for God's people. What we'll see is Jesus is the better Nehemiah. Nehemiah points us to Jesus, but then we need to see how Jesus is the better Nehemiah, who came in obedience to the Father, out of love for the Father. He laid his life down as a sacrifice for sinners to rescue and to spare us. Our lives, like the walls of Jerusalem, need to be rebuilt. Nehemiah is not just a preview of what Jesus is. It's also a preview of what the church is to be in the world. We are being renewed and restored by God, and we are called to speak the words of God and do the works of God, the words, the hands, the feet of Jesus to a broken world. So I look forward to our study in the book of Nehemiah. I, I would invite you to read along or maybe read ahead. Uh, don't read chapter 13 yet because it all kind of breaks down there, but we'll talk about that. Yeah. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your care, your provision, your protection in our lives. Lord, we stand with those who are grieving today. We think of Ray and his family over the loss of Beth. We pray for your presence in their lives in a new and dynamic way, that you would love them and care for them, and the others in our church that are grieving over the loss of loved ones or, or friends or even acquaintances. And Lord, we again want to dedicate this year to you. 2021 is for you. Draw us after you that we might run together with you in the days ahead. Lord, we've seen the underbelly a bit, whether it's of our own lives or our country or the church. And we want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. So we give our lives, we give this church to you. We ask that you would have your way. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.